Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Reich's Kip Fighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You're listening to this pod- podcast in various ways, but the two most popular ways ways are you are going to my blog, which is lordgaul.podbean.com, or you have the most efficient way by entering Warman Kick Fighting Show into the iTunes search engine, and the show pops right up. So we'll go ahead and jump right into the kickboxing action, as there was a lot of it. We're going to go ahead and start with first... Uh, the K1 uh, World Grand Prix 2020, um, it's a down card, you know, like in terms of no Takuru, no Masaki Nori, some of the, the usual stars were gone, uh, but as always, it was an entertaining card because of the style of fighting that they like to do over in Japan. You know, one of the, it's a good and a bad thing, you know, as far as the style in Japan. The reason why I say that is because basically it's, you are going to find out who the best is. Like, like, like you will be left with a mano a mano, who's the toughest, who can take the other person's offense the most. There is a battle to it. There is a, a war to how the fights are performed a lot of times. Um, every once in a while, I do want to see some slickness, though. You know what I'm saying? That's why I like Masaki Nori. Uh, I, I, I like uh, Yudakubo. You know, I like when they uh, can find that there is still effective offense to be found, you know, uh, from these combatants. There's still effective offense to be had without necessarily receiving as much. Um, But in terms of just all action, you are going to get your money's worth if you go there and you see these guys banging it out. You just are. And um, from the top to the bottom, there's a lot of knockdowns, a lot of, you know, big fight opportunities, big, you know, uh, excuse me, um, Big knockouts, big, you know, fights with uh, knockdowns, uh, a couple of fights of note from guys that we know. Down card, still fun card, okay? Had some good stuff. I'll go ahead and go from the st- the top down. I usually go in reverse, but I'll change it. Go to par. Worserick gets a victory over Kenta Hayashi. Majority decision. Gunapar is a guy who I, I really, really enjoy and respect because... First, he came in, and, you know, you think Thai style, they play the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, it's uh, talked about in this podcast a bajillion times. Basically, what happens is when you go out there and you um, uh, watch a tie or international tie, the people who, the ones who people enjoy are usually those who give you a little bit of back and forth. Uh, and uh, as my friend Vinny Sherman says, if you're way better than the guy, you should be able to just go get him out. You shouldn't just play the game and kind of wait for the scorecards. When he said that, I, you know, I appreciated, it, but I under, under, also understood how the ties work. It's a cultural thing. You know, if you go to Thailand, uh, you win, you get up on the cards. You usually want to slow it down because you are helping feed your family. The other person's helping feed their family. So if you get up, you'll go ahead and relax a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, you'll allow that person to be able to go make money again and, you know, whatever their break is of, of fighting. But it's something that is afforded to you. So usually you want to see athletes get that opportunity. Um, in the West, it's a little bit different. You know, a lot of times it's three rounders instead of four or instead of five. And they want the action. They value the boxing. Uh, but more than anything, they want offensive strikes and they want to see people try to push to, you know, win a fight to, to finish a fight or really separate themselves on the scorecard. So when I first came up, there were ties like Bovi and ties like uh, Punjinsuk and, or excuse me, um, uh, Pornsonai. 
There were, you know, Bovi Points and I, those were guys who you knew you were going to get your money's worth. And I was surprised they didn't get more international opportunities. Uh, but one guy who really, really did was Anawat. And Anawat had a power boxing style, so everybody loved to bring him over to Europe because those guys would play the game with him, you know, and it was really, really, really high level fights. But at the same time, you had someone who was going to fight in a way where. Uh, he had the ability to slow it down and win with low kicks, but he also had the ability to turn it up, and um, you wanted to see those ties. Meanwhile, there were also ties like, you know, uh, uh, um, Suk, as I mentioned before, who played the game. They played the left leg, they'd go into the clinch, and they kept you in fights where you weren't necessarily the most excited. Gunapar, from the very beginning of his K-1 run to right now, has always been do or die, in the pocket, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Let's go to war. Let's battle. Like, he's always been that. So, for him to get the victory over Kenta, it's not a surprise. You know what I'm saying? Kenta's very talented. been winning K1 for a while. Uh, but Gunapar, who has been stopped by some of the best guys, and uh, he's, he's still game, still great athlete, still great fighter, but it's just on, you know, uh, at this stage in his career... I had wondered if he's in the other side of it and he was going to be more of an opponent. And here I thought he was going to use more as an opponent. But man, did he come out, put on a great performance. He, he believes in his power. He believes in his aggression. And he gets the victory close over Kenta Hayashi. It's just really cool that Gunapar got the victory. He is your 63 kg title holder. And we will see more from him down the road. Um, Minoru Kimura gets a victory over Abaral. Uh, excuse me, Gemeyer, I believe I'm uh, saying that right. Um, he really did give a much better effort than I was expecting. I'll go ahead and admit that. Uh, I thought that uh, Aberall was game, had a super, super tough chin for a guy with that frame. You know, like you see that long, thinner, you know, uh, slender frame, you're thinking, okay, this guy's going down. You know what I'm saying? Like this guy's going, he is perfectly built to get stopped here. Like, that's kind of your, your feeling. But these two were absolutely killing each other. Uh, very few kicks in this one. You know what I'm saying? They mostly play with the boxing. And, and uh, of course, if you've seen, you know, Minoru Kimura fight, that's how he gets down. He might be kicks here and there, but for the most part, he wants to close the distance and let his hands go and land power. That's kind of how he gets down. But the Himalayan cheetah, as they were calling him, uh, really showed... He could stay in the pocket. He was like, you know, showed a lot of bravado. He ate shots, uh, and he scores a knockdown. When he scored the knockdown, I think even he was thinking, I'm about to shock the world. I'm about to get a big victory. Uh, and then Minoru just came back and Minoru, you know, like they continued to bang it out. Uh, Minoru scored two knockdowns, if I remember correctly. Uh, he got the knockdown back after going down in, in the first, and then he um, scored one towards the end of the first. I think he got one early in the second, and then he continued the onslaught. And uh, Himalayan Cheetah just kept banging it out, just kept punching back, just kept trying. Eventually, he took a, a bad cut, and he battled through it to the best of his ability, but they ended up calling it in the second round. Um, game, exciting. If there's one thing that uh, Abaral uh, Gemeyer accomplished, he made you want to watch him again. He made you want to watch him again. Man, that kid's talented. You know, like, like he's got something there. Uh, he's... He's just got to show more kickboxing skill and a little bit more savviness. But I would say that there is something there. He's not super talented in like like when I saw Nori for the first time. But he's got the tools 
and I thought that his chin was okay, but most importantly, is man, was he excited, and I want to see him again. Like, that's the main thing that you want to get from something. If you get this opportunity, that's the main thing. Minoru, of course, we talked about him before. Uh, the girls love him. He's got that, that appeal. He's got a different type of, you know, uh, urban hip-hop feel to him while also being a Brazilian kid with, you know, very, you know, light skin uh, who speaks fluent Spanish or fluent uh, Japanese and he's been in the country for a very, very long time. I, they got something there. They got something there. So um, hopefully they can build a Minoru and hopefully for himself, he's going to have to get some bigger names on his resume. Now he's protected a little bit because one championship's got like a lot of the best guys at 154, but there are still some guys out there who will give him a run. And if he's going to be the best in the world, not simply just the K1 champion, his resume is going to have to have some, some much better guys. With that said, he's still going to have an extremely, extremely difficult uh, time with a lot of the elites because of his style and because he doesn't kick as much. But fun guy to watch, and he got a victory here. Kazuman Saga defeats Hirotaka Urabi by disqualification in just a strange couple days. You know, like, like that's the best I could describe it. A strange couple days for Hirotaka Urabi. Hirotaka once burst on the scene fighting at 60 kgs as an absolute killer. He's knocking out everybody. Then, all of a sudden, in the middle of the career, he just started to have this win one, lose one, had the thing, you know, with, uh, uh, with his brother and um, uh, Koya Robe, and, like, just never developed consistency like Koya developed consistency. Um, still had the talent, but it just didn't happen. Like, all of a sudden, things changed. Now, he, you know, uh, he heads into his early 30s and, you know, kind of, Still is a good combat sports name, and people, you know, recognize him, and he's good to have on a card for Japan. But, man, when I saw that he had this, you know, uh, a four-pound weight cut miss, I was like, bro, that's a lot. You know what I'm saying? Four pounds, and can you do your best? But normally, if people are going to fail, they get to around that two-pound two mark. You know what I'm saying? Like something happens, two pounds, one pound. If you get under one, most people are just like, I'm going to make it. I'll cut off an arm or something like that. But at two pounds is usually it. When it's four pounds, it makes you wonder how serious were they preparing for this. So we have that. And then they announce what their penalties are going to be. K1 should get a freaking pat on the back for this. They have a two-point deduction. Hirtaka has to wear 10-ounce gloves instead of 8-ounce gloves. And 30% from his fight purse. That is phenomenal. It's to the point where it's like, you wonder if an athlete would be like, you know what, not even going to fight now. You know, like, that's kind of how you feel. But, man, when I heard about those, and, and they're not the first that I've heard that I've seen this from. The, the first that I saw it from was uh, China. In China, I heard there was a fight where uh, Mom Barlow, um, she went there and she had misweighted. They took the point. Uh, in the fight so she had started down and she battled through and she was able to get a victory but I love that I love that you you take something more than something finance from people now I've been on both sides of it you know I've been in fights where my guy missed weight and I've been in fights you know at fights where the other guy missed weight and it happens it's not planned by anybody a lot of times it's just sometimes you just don't have the the tools to get the weight off like you'd like you know so it's not, you know, foreign. Like, like that's not something I heard. It's like, well, that's unacceptable. 
it happens, you know, just you don't know what's going to go on with the body. And a lot of people say, man, well, you're unprofessional if you don't make it. And I'm like, hey, it wasn't their plan, you know. So I don't think it was Robe's plan that that happened. But as far as how you move forward afterwards, that's kind of where the question comes from. You know, that's kind of where um, uh, fairness is kind of accomplished, you know, because the other person did make it. So in this situation, for them to have the two-point deduction, for them to change the glove sizes, that was a weird one. For them to go through all that and then to have the fight and then for a groin strike to be the difference in the second round, just, you know, uh, and then giving Casey Monsaka the win, it, it just shows what a difficult couple days Arabe went through. You got to go back to it. And sometimes that happens in a fight game, but that about that, that just sums up a horrible fight weekend that you would just like to completely forget and move on. Yuta Murakoshi gets victory over uh, Naoki uh, Yamamoto. Um, or you see uh, Ishizawa gets a victory over Kataro uh, Shimam- uh, Shimamano. Um, three knockdowns in the third. Let me tell you something. These guys were killing each other. You know what I'm saying? Like just the the full the whole card. Uh, I can't stress this enough. The whole K1 card had so many fights where just guys were just absolutely just trying to murder one another. You know what I'm saying? Like just it it. The, the goal to it was, okay, I'm going to just prove I'm the best and I'm going to start banging stuff away. It, it just That's just the mentality that a lot of people had in this card. And I mentioned it before uh, about the no defense, all offense. But the reason why I bring up this specifically is this was a very much a fight of the year candidate in under two rounds. Uh, Ashizawa um, went down, uh, Shimano, uh, excuse me, uh, Shimano uh, went down several times. Um, anytime I thought Shimano was going to be out of there, he would just keep punching and throw back and they just kept battling. And then finally at the very end of the second round, uh, 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 Shimano goes down for the last time. It really was a fight between guys who I'm like, I don't know if I think they're going to be like super great or, or, you know, um, you know, I'm going to wait and see what's going to happen moving forward. But I will say this, when their names pop up on cards, you're going to be excited because they're going to give you everything they have. They really did lay it on the line and put on a great show and were absolutely killing each other. So very, very entertaining fight. Ashizawa gets the victory. Uh, Teo uh, Asahisa gets the victory over Kura Hasumi. Um, nice head kick KO there. It was in the third. Uh, I've had, you know, uh, Asahisa, on, uh, excuse me, Asahisa on the show before. I've mentioned him before. Uh, still not sold on what the future will lie, but man, head kick KOs are always cool. Dezo Suzaki gets a victory over Tetsuya Yamada. The slide continues. Man, Yamada, people have no idea, man. This kid was like really, really good. You know, like he, he has some really good international names on his belt and he got to fight in tie fight a couple times and, uh, you know, uh, he's got some victories there, victory, close victory over Kevin Ross in the past and he's got all the tools had a pretty fun international run. Uh, it's just, it's age, you know, and it happens. There's nothing that you can do. You know, there's no predicting it. So um, hopefully he'll be able to turn it all around and we'll get to see a, a much better future for him, from him. Adding on to this, uh, we've got Suji um, uh, Kirawada. Gets victory over Famiya Asawa. Uh, extension around split decision. Hiromi Wajima gets victory over Yaki 
uh, Fujuko. Uh, three knockdown rule in the first. Very dominant stuff for Wajima. Want to see more there. Um, I'll go ahead and finish off the rest of the results. Um, Gunji Taito gets a victory over Yosu Kamimoto by knockout. Uh, I believe it was the right hand. Uh, Junki Suzuka gets a victory over Reimu. Yumana's decision there. Fukushi uh, Mizutani gets a victory over Hiyato Suzuki by knockout. Uh, the beginning of this card had a ton of knockouts. Um, uh, Shinya Umura gets a victory over Mesa Eshigi. Uh, that was also by knockout punches. Um, Ri Anaguki. Uh, now these are very undercard people, by the way. Hideki gets uh, gets victory over Hideki by TKO third round. Um, that uh, three knockdown rule in the third, and then I got three more. Natsuki Kid, uh, Kinemura gets a victory over Seiyu by knockout. Uh, very very fast, thirty three seconds. Dominant stuff there. Uh, Iiki Kuruda gets a victory over Yuki uh, Toyota. That was three knockdown rule, and then the card was opened with Yuda Matsuyama getting a knockout victory over Masagasi. Um, excuse me. Masa Shigi uh, Umeda, and that got the card started. But literally, this is what I mean. There were six KOs, or, you know, KO, TKOs, right at the beginning of this one. So, they really did get this party started with stoppages. Like, the message was sent real early on that this is going to be a violent card. So, K1, once again, delivers. The only problem with this one is I don't think it showcased enough of their stars, and that's a big part of what this sport is. You got to showcase the talent that's going to push the game forward. Uh, they have the action, as always. K1 cards usually you get your money's worth, but man, we got to have a lot more of who you know getting to fight. Because if they lose, then that makes another person who you know, you know. But when they don't don't compete, and you just kind of have who you don't know versus who you don't know, it, it keeps you from pushing the sport forward. So. We move on to one championship card. Three fights of note from there because two kickboxing, one Muay Thai. Um, Raid Apocket gets a victory over Errol Zimmerman by uh, TKO head kick, spinning hook kick uh, in the second round. Um, I mentioned this on Twitter when this popped up. If you look at Raid, if you follow his coaches or you follow him, he practices that spinning hook kick a lot. You know what I'm saying? He's throwing it in fights. He, he has a setup for it. And I remember I saw a video where they showed where they set it up and they have him. This is, you know, him showing the technique. And then all of a sudden the uh, um, execution of the technique, the way they did it in practice, they did it in the fight. And real good stuff there. Errol Zimmerman's older guy. And it's so crazy. I told you guys just last week I was putting together a highlight. Uh, that I'm going to have when it talks, you know, just kind of shows the journey from the gym to the ring. And uh, I, it has Errol Zimmerman in it because, you know, it's kind of over the last 20 years. And um, I just remember how young he was and, you know, his face. I remember how K1 promoted him. You know, here he is. Look at him. He's out, you know, with girls and he's living young and everybody's old and like his mentality. Like, I just remember that. Now here he is in his 30s and, you know, it's just uh, still, you know, uh, mid mid 30s. Uh, I don't think he's in his late 30s, but um, a talented guy has all this, you know, skill that he had when he was younger. And late in his life, after his K1, after his glory run, K1 run, his glory run, he's trying to see if he's got something still left in the tank. So shout out to One Championship for giving him the opportunity because they love K1 names. But at the same time, he is 
still not the fast twitch, not the aggressive spurts. Even if he's losing, he got to be patient and then find an aggressive spurt of offense. Now he has to win with kickboxing throughout because he doesn't have that ability, and it was going to be tough to do that with Red Pocket. So shout out to Zimmerman for getting back in the game. I'm glad he got this opportunity. Raid pocket got to build on this, you know. Anytime you get a K1 name on your resume, you got to follow that up with, okay, now people are going to be paying attention to you because then they're going to say, oh, he beat that name from K1, or excuse me, beat that name from K1. Uh, they beat that name from Glory. You've got to get those, and you've got to build on them. So good kick, spinning hook kick KO. It'll be on the highlight when I do the year in kickboxing highlight. Uh, talented guy. I'm excited to see what happens with Raid moving forward. Moving up the card. We have uh, Nikki Holtzkin winning against Elliot Compton. I would mentioned this before, uh, just a week ago. The way that Gregorian hurts you to the body, it's different than how you hurt him to the body. Because if you punch him to the body, he's stationary. He's right in front of you. So he can eat it a little bit better. When he punches you to the body, it's he's already been pressuring you. So you've been on the run the whole time. So when he gets a hold of you, you go down. You know, or you, you, you eat it that much worse. So... Nikki Holtzkin, same thing. You know, first of all, Elliot Compton kind of moving up in weight, but of course he'd do it. I mentioned before, his team works real hard to give him these opportunities. So, goes out there, gets the opportunity to put in good, clean offense. Uh, they have good back and forth. They're battling really, really well. Um, it was, how do you say? It was a uh, good effort for Compton even though it was so clear that Nicky Holtzkin is a different level than he is. But he wanted to test himself, you know what I'm saying? Like, doesn't wins and losses, of course, do matter, but for him, he wanted to know what it was like, and he got the one championship opportunity. And I'm sure when he heard Nicky Holtzkin's name, he was pumped. Nicky Holtzkin, a little bit different situation. He is trying to compete, he's trying to be a prize fighter, uh, looking for the opportunity to go against guys, and clearly he's got the two losses to their champion in Regan Ursel. So right now... Any name that says yes is a good name. You know, it's they don't have a roster of guys that Nikki Holtzkin's weight. They usually just bring in a guy here and there. So as they move forward, a roster will be needed. But he is a super talented guy, Nikki Holtzkin is. And he is one of the most entertaining kickboxers that you're ever going to see. Like, you, you see him, you're seeing the best when you see him at his best. And he pressured, pressured. Landed offense, pressured, and then the opportunity came for a double rip to the body, and Compton went down, and that was it. It was just absolutely beautiful. And it didn't take long, you know what I'm saying? This is first-round work that I'm talking about, but I just felt like Compton, with the time that he was given, he really did try his best. But Holtzkin, just the pressure, the pressure, the offense, the combos, and when the double rip touched him and he went down, I was like, one, it's not your weight class, son. And two, it's not your class class, son. Nikki Holtzkin is just better at this period of time. Very good, very talented guy. Jonathan Haggerty gets a victory over Takey Nieto. Scored two knockdowns in the fight. Um, Jonathan Haggerty has all the tools to be one of the future guys in kickboxing and Muay Thai for a long time. Like, he has all the tools. Clearly, we've got to figure stuff out. You know, there have been reports about one championship and their stability. Uh, you know, um, you know, uh, for me, as a person that loves kickboxing and Muay Thai, I just want them to keep putting on shows so I can keep watching some of the best guys compete. Haggerty, 
has all the tools to be a very, very special fighter. Two things needed. Number one, he can't stop fighting in England. I think there's this, I mentioned it before, there's this feel that you made it if you go to Europe. Or if you, or excuse me, if you're, if someone flies you in. You know, if somebody flies you to Japan or somebody flies you to, uh, you know, Singapore. If they fly, that's what making it is in the sport. These experiences where someone flies you out. Um, I talked about that at length last podcast. So, Haggerty's getting these opportunities because he's such a talented guy. Uh, and one championship has a focus on full rules Muay Thai. But there's two things, as I mentioned, he needs. When people get those opportunities, they stop fighting at home. And I don't think he should do that. If a promoter wants to put him on, put him on a, you know, a stage and you know, um, let him fight locally, big show in London, uh, you know, like a, 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 a MTGP, something like that, he should do it. You should do it. Keep building your brand. Keep making yourself famous. Please don't be one of those people that go, if I fight locally, it's going backwards. So I'm only going to fight for one championship or I'm only going to fight for K1. Keep building your brand and fight to the best of your ability. That's super, super, super important. Um, the thing that, uh, like just, just for me as far as building your brand, because you don't know what's going to happen with one championship. You don't know what's going to happen with K1 and you don't know what's going to happen with, I've seen so many promotions come and go. So for you to put all your stock in, I'm only going to fight out here because fighting back home is backwards. Please don't have that heart. A lot of people do. I'm just saying I think it's better for building your brand if you're killing it at home and then you go fight. And then when you come back, you're like, hey, man, he went out to China. He's, you know, he's killing it. He went out to Singapore. He's killing it. You want to build your brand. So, Jonathan, that's one thing that I would suggest. Keep fighting when you can fight. The other thing that I would say is... It's going to come down to what happens in the Ratang fight. Outside of Ratang, if he's going to build his resume, he should start asking for some of the other elite um, ties around his weight classes. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get him, but one championship probably already has them signed. You want to go ahead and start building your brand and just testing yourself against some of those other guys. It just can't always be you versus Ratang. And, you know, you had the stoppage loss earlier in the year, but people know that you guys are going to do it again. And when that opportunity comes, you want to be a better version. So fight people that's going to mirror the style of Ratang and use that to prepare for him and then go out there and give him everything again. But I think those are the two big ones. Now that you've got this platform, and he was the main event of this card, now that he's got this platform and they're pushing him, beating NATO was very, very important. But in the end, with his weight classes, it's going to be how he does against some of those elite ties. So maybe even, you know, have your local promoter bring in a tie that's got a similar style, but it's maybe not as tough. But you got to start doing stuff to prepare you to beat the elite. And that was not accomplished with the taking NATO thing. But what was accomplished is you showed how talented you are. You showed that you can drop guys. Your must-see TV. Haggerty is good. This guy is super talented. I really want him to be one of the stars that pushes the sport forward. I want people to look at England and be like, Jonathan Haggerty, that guy's killing it. Like, I, you know, I want to fight that guy. Like, I want that to happen. But got to keep fighting at home. Don't just wait on the one championship opportunities. And when you get the one championship, message them. Ask, can I get different guys to help prepare for the Rutangs of the world? But good stuff. Going to go ahead and move on to... 
Do I want to do some news? Actually, there's a stadium fight that I forgot to mention on last week's podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and bring it up right now. It's I haven't been talking about stadium Muay Thai as much. Uh, shoot, I hadn't been podcasting as much as I'd like. But um, I really wanted to revisit it because I'm going to wrap today's show up on the glory card for those who are interested. But um, anyways, let's uh, go back to the... Oh, gosh, what was the date on that one? Um, oh, sorry about that. Can't remember the date, but uh, Dieselek putting on a great performance against Sangmani, uh, securing a decision, scoring a knockdown as they battled at 140 pounds. Now, should be mentioned, Sangmani who was dope at, you know, 122, 126, uh, had, you know, the 130 fights. 140 is too big for him. That is too big. But with that said, the aggression by Dieselek, the, you know, the the way he came forward, <coughs> please forgive me for this cough, the way he came forward with the boxing, uh, he was determined to send a message. And I think he did a great job of doing uh, what he should have in fighting like the bigger, stronger guy. Like, you get a guy in your weight class, I think sometimes people, and and ties in particular, they use it as an opportunity to just dominate in the clinch. You know, like, I'm bigger, stronger, I'm going to go ahead and get a hold of him and uh, win with these advantages. Stay right here in this pocket. Like, I think that's very important to a lot of individuals. I personally would prefer um, a combination of forward pressure, uh, strong boxing, and anytime you throw a kick or anytime you go into the clinch, the goal is to wear on them and then pursue again. And I thought that Diesel did a good job of that early and then really poured it on with the boxing. Um, you find out how tough someone is if they can take your shot. They take your offense and then they turn around and they just keep mowing you down. You know, okay, I'm in there with somebody, you know, ruthless. I think Diesel, like, once he realized that the smaller guy, savvy and skilled as, as uh, Sagmanai, Sagmanai is, he realized he couldn't hurt him. And I think that that kind of sent the message, all right, let me put the, you know, the, the gas on him and, and just really go after him. And he dominated down the stretch. Uh, clean victory there. Shout out to him. Good stuff. And again, we don't, it's not like we don't appreciate what we see um, from some of the, are uh, from, um, Pornsini's efforts, or excuse me, Sangmani's efforts, but Dieselek had just discovered real early on, if I move forward, he moves backwards. It's just about the offense I put in there. So good stuff. Scored a knockdown in the fight. Um, Sangmani did a great job of recovering, but they were just two different levels. So next thing I'm going to move on and talk to, talk about is the, and it's come up before, but, uh, Yusuke uh, Takai. Uh, deciding, you know, he's the uh, the K1 champion, uh, deciding that he wants to move on into boxing. And I guess I've got a couple of thoughts here. My first thought is this idea that kickboxers graduate or have success and then move on into another field. Uh, I would say since uh, the fall of the, you know, K1 World Grand Prix, uh, and K1 Max, um, and just that feel from how things were in the 90s to how things are in the 2000s, 
uh, and then now moving forward to 2020. More and more, as you know, media is growing and MMA and so on, people started to are starting to look at kickboxing in a way and start to say the, the uh, uh, ask the questions. When is this uh, individual going to graduate into something else or move into something else? Or I can't wait till that kickboxer tries MMA. And in Japan, uh, I see it as instead of kickboxers thinking, you know, am I going to go into MMA? It makes sense for a lot of them to say, I want to go into boxing. First and foremost, Naya Inoue uh, is, you know, monster is starting to turn into an international star. He's probably the most popular combat sports athlete in Japan, uh, and he's coming over to America, getting opportunities to fight, and absolutely murdering people just like he did back in, in Japan. It makes sense to me that combat sports stars will look at that and say, I want that. I want to go to America and make a bunch of money and prove myself as an international boxer, you know, an international uh, a superstar with boxing skills and be able to get that platform. Boxing provides that platform, whereas in K1, I think Yusuke Takai fought his entire career in Japan in kickboxing from high school on. And because high schools have kickboxing and K1 rules, it makes sense that a lot of them will see that as, okay, that's the first sport I did. Now that I'm a little bit older, I want to move into other things. Um... I've mentioned it before with the women, with Rena. Rena is a super talent, super talent, you know, like one of the most talented athletes you're ever going to see, you know, as far as kickboxing. Um, and she'll have her losses, uh, but all of a sudden she, you know, and May gets popular. Uh, Risen gives her good contract. She gets to fight some opportunities there. And then when she goes back to shootboxing, she says, I want to keep fighting MMA. So, she, you know, I want to keep building that brand. It makes sense to me that a kickboxer like Rita would move into MMA because that's where big money opportunities are. Uh, a friend of mine and I were talking, they were like, MMA is the only way that women can make money in combat sports. They're the only one paying. Uh, because the UFC is built off of the brand of the UFC rather than the uh, athletes that are performing, Like the, the, the name brand is the thing that pushes the promotion, not necessarily the how do you say, um, the stars. If they get a star within the system, awesome. But the thing that people watch, it's the UFC 256 is happening tonight. I'm going to make sure I'm somewhere I can watch it. So that's just kind of how people look at it, and that's kind of how uh, the sports world is. And because of that, they were able to add women. And, of course, they had Ronda, who's a superstar. But Ronda's been gone for a little while. And then earlier this year, you get, you know, world-class performances uh, you know, throughout by a lot of their athletes, and you get a fight of the year candidate with Yuji Chick uh, and uh, Zhang. So it's like, if you're a female fighter, you look at that and you see these girls have made six figures and they won on such a huge stage that they're turning the heads of the men. I can understand why you'd be like, all right, kickboxing was fun. I loved it. It was a great, great ride, but I very much want to do something different. You know, I very much want to fight and get that kind of recognition. And I understand that part of it. I understand how boxers are like kickboxers with good boxing skills. They're like, you know what? I love this. You know, and I think Yudokubo did it first. Um, 
but I really want to make money and I would like to have international opportunities. So I understand it. Us in kickboxing, at some period of time, because we don't have a UFC, because, I mean, K1 would have been the closest. Now that Glory's been around, there's been other promotions while Glory's been around. So, of course, that's a little bit tougher. Until people see that once upon a time, or assume someday I dream, the fight purse that I get is going to be so lucrative, I want to stay in kickboxing, this is going to keep happening. You know, when the high day, heyday of K1, and when you look at uh, the purse, I think it went from 150 to what is it? Uh, from 150 to uh, 200,000 to 250 to 400,000. I think 400,000 might have been the max for the tournament win. Uh, but when you look at that, that's something worth fighting for. So that's why everybody wanted to get in that division. I think uh, the max was 250, you know, so that's something worth fighting for. Right now, they don't see that big purse, so they're not excited to jump in and be a part of that. If that doesn't happen at some period of time, or if those who are getting paid well don't start sharing the purse numbers, people won't be as excited to try to have those opportunities. Like, it'll just be tougher. So... With this happening with Yusuke Takai, I really do wish him all the best. I really did enjoy him as a kickboxer. I really did enjoy watching him perform. But man, I understand. You, you want to make money. You want to get recognition. I can't blame you. But I wanted to bring it up that this will keep happening. People will still have this view if the finances aren't there. Um, but I love the sport. I enjoyed him while we had it. And I really do wish the best for uh, Takai. Now, I've talked to people about this before, um, and it's kind of coming up again, but as I wrap the show up talking about this K-1 card, the main thing that I wanted to mention is, or excuse me, as I wrap the show up talking about this Glory card, the main thing I want to mention is they are still having their trouble with COVID. So what just happened today is at midnight tonight, they are going to shut down Holland. So right now the card for this weekend was scheduled in Rotterdam. So now the <laughs> the question is, are they going to be able to do it? Like, are they going to be able to do the card? So I'm going to go ahead and relax for the time being, you know, and I'm going to break the card down accordingly because that's, that's what I do. Uh, and I am going to just make an argument for... I think that they will have a backup place, and I think that the fight's going to go on as scheduled this weekend, okay? They have one undercard bout, and in that bout, uh, it's more of a showcase, I would say. Uh, Yas Van Belzen, uh, who is super talented, uh, had a couple wins already, got a win over Matthew Stevens. Got a win over Percy DeMayer. We want to see him continue his growth, continue to show his kickboxing you know, skill, and continue to rise up the ranks. He's been going to be going against Damian Johnson uh, from the Netherlands. Uh, uh, excuse me, Johansson. Excuse me. Um, Damian has got a tough one ahead of him. Okay, like this is a, a tough fight. 
He will have to perform better than he has before because this really does look like a showcase for uh, Van Bilzen. Bilzen's a talented kid, good combos, good pressure. Uh, you want to see more stars like him emerge, so I'm hoping that he can use this, build on his brand, and, and put on a showcase bout that really makes people turn their heads. That's the prelims. We then move into the main card. Main card is... Uh, I believe this is his first fight in glory. I, I can't remember if there's another one. But uh, Levy Richters, who... Um, uh, or Richters, excuse me, who has a really good record. He's fought several times on the... Um, gosh, I'm having a mental lapse right now. On Melvin Metthoff's premier fight uh, promotion. Um, I can't think of the, the full name of it. But, like, he's fought on his promotion several times. So, uh, anyways, he'll be going against... Uh, Masinissa Hamali, uh, I have only seen Hamali fight like one time. I need to see more. Uh, right now, it's looking like, again, a veteran guy who's running into an opportunity where him and Rickers, Rickers is a talented guy who's getting the glory platform. Uh, Hamali is a guy who's got good wins and he's also got losses, but a win over Rickers could change and flip the script. Because Rickers is good, and he's a guy who's got people behind him, and a lot of people think that he's going to be something down the road. This victory will go a long way if he can make it happen. Hamele, super tough Moroccan kid who's going to go out there and give everything. So I'm, excused, I'm curious to see how this goes. Next one on the, oh, but if I had to pick, I would definitely need Rickers, the guy who uh, his resume leading into it makes me more excited about what he can do competition-wise. So I'm excited there. So, next one I'm going to talk about, and it should be a fun one. Uh, Antonio Pazbot is a guy who we've talked about several times on the show. He's a, a glory veteran, fought several times. He's going to go against Nordin Mahedin, also a glory veteran, who's fought several times, had win in some glory, and so on. This is a really good matchup. Really good matchup. It's going to be a fun thing. Uh, definitely, you... Um, like both guys, uh, the Frenchman has had a lot of success, and... I mean, it's it hasn't been all roses, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he's, you know, won his last two. But the first time they met, he lost the decision to Antonio Pazabat. Uh, and it's like, have you closed those gaps since then? Have you improved? The victories he got were split decisions. So it's not like he kind of showed the skill that he was running away with it, and this is the guy to watch for the future. He had some tough fights, and he was able to get the victory. So him going against Pazabat here in a rematch i'm hoping in this time off and it's tough because you know it's covid uh we're hoping that there has been some fighting gaps uh closed up since then you know because literally they fought in june of last year so in that year and a half did you get the opportunity to improve your skills enough to get a victory over possible at this time gonna be tough gonna be tough i uh would lean towards the mike sim project and uh Pazibot. he's very very good uh i think that he has the Better kickboxing skill set, so I definitely lean on him winning. So uh, that is the second half, so this is the tournament. So then the final, in my mind, would be Rickers versus Plazabot. Rickers is very good, uh, talented guys, got a lot of you know eyes behind him, but I for sure lean towards the veteran Plazabot, uh, who's shown more kickboxing skill and he's had victories over better guys. But Rickers' game, I think it'll be a fun tournament. I'm excited for it. 
Cedric Dumbay will now be going against Kareem Gaji. Uh, Merthel um, was injured and right away was dropped out of the fight so they could find a replacement, which is awesome. And it is one of the most exciting things for Gaji, I would say, at this point in his career. A tough guy who is always going to say yes, who's in the gym regular but does different things, does business, big into break dances, break dancing. Dumbe is in his prime and one of the best planet, planet fighters on the planet. And not just that, but one of the best fighters in kickboxing history making his resume as we speak. Gaji, who hasn't had the best run in glory, uh, he's talented enough to beat some guys. And, and I remember right before he got the, the glory, he had the huge win over at Kracha with the KO. And he's got some really good kickboxing skill. And even in his losses... He's really showed how talented he is. But on short week, you know, two-week notice, Dombe is, you know, hard if you get two months. But this is as tough a short-notice fight as you're going to get. But this is proof of how tough and how manly Gaji is to see this opportunity come by and jump at it. So shout-out to him. I hope he puts up a great effort. Uh, I don't know if, it's, if he'll make it the distance because, as I said before, Dumbe is special. Once-in-a-lifetime talent who kept getting better. Uh, he showed the kickboxing skill early. Then he had lost some fights close. And he's like, well, now I'm going to show the stoppage skills. He's in his prime. He's <coughs> excuse me, really hurting people. I expect Dumbe to win. He's just a special talent. And uh, who knows if the Merkel fight will happen down the road. But really, really good stuff by Dumbe. Uh, as a career, and I'm expecting him to put on a good show. Finally, Badahari versus uh, Benjamin Agbui. Awesome, fun fight. Um, I mean, I think that either way, either winner is good for the sport. Clearly, Badahari is the biggest name in kickboxing still. You know, like, this point, any the stadium that was filled last year was a big part of Rico. It's also a big part of Hari, who is probably one of the most beloved Moroccan stars internationally. You know, like, clearly there are a lot of popular guys and, you know, uh, um, different sports. But I think Hari has a feel uh, and a appreciation and a fan base that's unlike anything I've ever seen in my life, both in Japan and in uh, Europe. He's just a talent, and uh, Arpui, killing it from Romania, super kickboxing skills. I'm excited to see what happens when these two get together and bang it out. I really am. Like, I, I really do think that they're going to put on a great show. Arpui has the size, um, and he's been getting better. Only problem with Arpui was he kept running into Rico, and Rico was, you know, sitting atop the division. Hari, super talented. He's got the, the length. He's got the, the boxing. Uh, he's got the KO power. They, you know, had their press conference last week and, you know, he got a little bit heated. And, of course, that's going to add to it because, you know, uh, people want to see him get the knockout and people want to see Attic Bowie upset the apple. And if, if it starts to turn, you know, if it starts to become a game of mental, people wonder, will they lean Attic Bowie or will the power hitter, botter, get him out of there? It's really what you want. Some of the best kickboxers on the planet putting on a great show. If Botter wins, then he continues the legacy uh, and, of course, it sets up probably another Rico fight 
late last, you know, uh, in 2021, Fatik Bowie wins, it's a guy who's able to get a win off of someone who's got the K1 resume, and um, he can keep that, keep fighting, and then maybe somebody can get the win off of him. And you start to develop that next generation of young stars. Uh, or he can win, start to get on a roll, he gets his rematch at Rico, and maybe he puts up a much better effort in the third going. No matter what, it's what you want. Awesome high-level kickboxing from some of the best on the planet. So, good stuff. Card, I'm glad I got to glory. Glad I got to stadium. Glad I got to one championship. Uh, got, glad I got to K1. Got a little bit of everything today. So, grateful for you guys for listening. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'll be back next week with some more results. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that I got kickboxing to talk about on a regular basis. Definitely very blessed. So, thanks everybody for listening. God bless and have a good one.